You're listening to the Whole Hog Football Podcast, sponsored by Kendall King, bringing you the latest news, position analysis, and more. Here's your hosts, Matt Jones with Andrew Joseph and Scotty Bordelon. Arkansas with two straight tough losses at home. They've got a big challenge this week with Ole Miss coming to Razorback Stadium. It'll be a 6.30 kickoff on SEC Network. The Razorbacks coming off a 13-10 loss to LSU, a game that they had many chances to win, uh, just couldn't get a lot going offensively. And we'll see what happens this week with K.J. Jefferson. Did not play against LSU, and certainly that affected the Razorbacks offensively. Matt Jones with Scotty Bordelon and Andrew Joseph of WholeHogSports.com. And it's kind of a, a similar situation, I think, when you look at the LSU game as the Liberty game the week before. With the way Arkansas's defense has played uh, throughout the season and, and the numbers that LSU had put up offensively over the last few weeks, I think if you would have told anybody that Arkansas would hold LSU to 13 points, uh, most people would say, yeah, they're going to win that game. Uh, but offensively, they just couldn't get anything going without K.J. Jefferson. And this is two times now this year, the Mississippi State game being the first, LSU obviously being the second, that uh, it is just clear as day that Jefferson is the clear-cut MVP of this team. And as he goes, Arkansas goes. But when he's not in the lineup, it, it sure seems like it's uh, a tough sledding for the Razorbacks. Oh, yeah, there's no doubt. He's 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 the guy that makes everything go. And he's such a threat to run, you know, that, you know, defenses have to, um, you know, he, he's a big threat to run. But, you know, KJ's, you know, throughout his Arkansas career has been a really, I think, efficient passer. And a lot of that has to do with, you know, a lot of the quick throws, intermediate throws that he makes, um, check downs and, and the like. But, you know, just that threat alone you know, tends to pull defenders out of the box and it opens up Arkansas's run game. Um, so his, his impact is um, it, it's, it's really just infinite. I mean, and Sam Pittman was talking about it earlier this week that, you know, defenses can load the box when, you know, you got your backup quarterback in there who they're not afraid of, you know, in the passing game. And, you know, you mentioned that Mississippi State game, like Arkansas had a little bit of life offensively in that game. I know they put up a bunch of yards and, you know, kind of the tail of that game too was, you know, you know, some, some short yardage runs that, you know, you didn't get the line to gain or, you know, you couldn't punch it into the end zone when you needed to. Um, but yeah, it was, it was Arkansas's offense was just kind of a, a wreck last week. And I think on their first eight possessions, six times they were either punted or turned the ball over on downs. And I think there was uh, a fumble mixed in there. And then there was, you know, one scoring drive uh, that just resulted in a field goal. Like at this point of the year, um, you know, when the weather's getting cold and it's a little bit tougher to, to, you know, throw the football effectively, you know, I think your short yardage run game and your offensive line and your run game as a whole has got to be really clicking and I don't know that we'll see Arkansas's offense click the way that it did earlier in the year unless KJ's in there. You know, it sounds like, um, you know, Tuesday he was back at practice at the front of the line. And so maybe that's an indicator that, you know, he's he's gearing up to to go this weekend. I think they've got a good shot against Ole Miss. Um, but I think, it, it, you know, how good of a shot Arkansas's got to, you know, get bowl eligible and knock off a, 
top 15 team it you know it largely depends on his availability and not just his availability not just him being out there but um you know just him being able to provide you know quality snaps and um you know get that passing game generated a little bit quicker than than it has in weeks past and um you know like i mentioned earlier key part to the run game too he really really opens everything up offensively well you know he wants to play in this game with it being old miss uh, we, we saw how much that playing Ole Miss meant to him last year whenever he went down to Oxford. And I think that was the best game of his career. I know that he had five touchdowns against BYU, but I'm just talking about all around. I think he had over 400 yards of total offense last year at Ole Miss, had three rushing touchdowns, three passing touchdowns. And, you know, so you know that, that this is a game that that really means a lot to him. And if he's physically able to play, uh, he's going to want to play in it. And I think he probably also sees, you know, like we were talking about, the value that he has to this football team that – you know, these last two weeks haven't gone the way that people probably thought they were going to go. Uh, we certainly all thought they were going to beat Liberty. I think we thought LSU uh, was was going to be, uh, you know, a, a much tougher game. Uh, but but I think Arkansas's got a chance to beat Ole Miss this week. I I, I think Ole Miss is really good. I think they're going to challenge Arkansas's defense. And I want to talk more about the the defensive improvement that Arkansas's made in, in just a minute. But you just got to feel like if 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 KJ Jefferson is physically able to play. He's going to do it. And, and from all indications, it's not a necessarily a physical problem with him. It's more of how much pain tolerance or, you know, how, how what's the pain tolerance that he can stand. I think that's probably why he missed the LSU game as much as anything. Yeah, there's, there's no doubt in my mind this game means a lot to him. And it's probably a big motivator for him, obviously, with it being a team from his home state. Um and you know he missed it. He missed the Mississippi State game. Another another team from his home state missed that one. Um, and he he just doesn't like to see Arkansas lose. Like it's just pretty cut and dry there. Like he's a really competitive guy, but he also knows, you know, if he is if he can't stand the pain that he's in, you know, then he's gonna he's gonna do what's in his best interest and and maybe Arkansas's best interest too. Just maybe turn it over to the backup. And see what they can do. Um, I mean, we talked to Dalton Wagner last night and asked him about, you know, kind of what last weekend was like for him, you know, not being able to play because of, of back trouble. And he was just like, I know if I, I knew that if I went out there and tried to play, I wouldn't have given, you know, our offensive line and our offense the best, you know, chance to succeed. And I think KJ is kind of the same way, but he really, he really wants to play in this game. I remember talking to his mom last year, and I think Ole Miss sits a little bit differently with KJ than maybe Mississippi state because Ole Miss wanted to recruit KJ as a, a receiver or, you know, to play another position on offense. And he just really wasn't about that. And so I think um, just seeing the Ole Miss logo, seeing the guys on the other side, I think he, I think he really wants this game. And I don't know if this is maybe too dramatic, but um, you know, I think a lot of people are, are, have been frustrated with kind of his availability and they're kind of questioning, you know, his, his toughness and his want to win and his will to win and that kind of thing. So if he goes out and plays and he plays well, it could, you know, it could have a, a big impact on his legacy here. I think, you know, last season's game against Ole Miss, you know, really vaulted him into that conversation of, you know, quarterbacks in the league that, you know, really, really explosive, can lead a team offensively and, and lead a team in general. Um, this year, you know, he's he's definitely had those moments where the last few weeks have been 
been kind of hairy just with his availability and the um, the injury that he's dealing with. But I think I definitely think that he wants to to play in this game and he wants to help Arkansas. You know, you know, find all the success it can and getting back bowl eligible again for a quarterback. I think it's big for a quarterback to to be able to to maybe look back years down the line and be able to say, you know, this the program that I played in, you know, didn't have great success in the regular season and didn't, you know, maybe make it to to the postseason. But when I was there, you know, we were able to get to a bowl game um in, you know, in, in consecutive years. I think that's I think that's a big deal. I think he definitely wants that um to be remembered. I think Sam Pittman mentioned uh, earlier in the week that KJ feels better than he had previously the past two weeks, um, which would lead me to believe he's at least um, probably going to play. Otherwise, if you're saying he's feeling better than he was again at the time of the Liberty game when he did play, then you're, and he doesn't play when you're saying he feels better than that against Ole Miss, that would kind of lead me to believe that he probably shouldn't have played against Liberty. Um but I think regardless of whoever's the quarterback against Ole Miss, the O-line has got to improve. I think the last two weeks they've kind of really uh, let let themselves down, to be honest. I think they probably want to be playing better than they have. Um, they've struggled to get the run game going uh, in both games. They struggled to protect the quarterback. And I think no matter who it is, if it's a banged-up K.J. Jefferson, you're going to want to be able to protect the quarterback and you're going to want to be able to keep him upright. And then if it's a backup quarterback, you're going to want to uh, make them feel comfortable in the pocket. And you've got to get that run game going because that's Arkansas's bread and butter. And that's uh, how they've been winning all years through that run game, creating uh, passing opportunities through play action. And the run game just hasn't been there. Uh, and, and I think that's largely just because of the push the line has not been getting. You know, just listening to the Sam Pittman talk throughout the week, I, I, Andrew mentioned, you know, Jefferson playing hurt against Liberty. I think that they learned a lesson from that game, which was that he had not practiced much leading up to the Liberty game. And so I think it taught them going into LSU that, hey, he hasn't practiced a whole lot this week either. It's better for the team uh, to have someone in there who's gone through practice, who's gone through the reps. And, you know, it's tough to take a player who's been injured and just kind of insert them on game day and expect for everything to, to run smoothly. But man, you know, speaking of Jefferson not being in there, the the problems with the the backup quarterback at Arkansas, and and this isn't just an Arkansas problem. It's hard to keep a quality backup in your program, especially now that you can transfer and and not have to sit out anywhere. But uh, wow, I mean, Malik Hornsby just uh, so inconsistent. I feel like uh, in his play, you think about how great he was when he first came in against Mississippi State, and then all of a sudden, you know, kind of the bottom fell out. And then he was never able to get going against LSU. And, you know, Cade Fortin provided them a little bit of stability, uh, gave them their touchdown drive. But you lack confidence, I, I feel like, offensively, if, if either of those guys are in the game over Jefferson. And, and just the stark contrast between the way a starter can lead this offense and what you have in your number two and number three quarterbacks, I think is really alarming. Yeah, a hundred percent with you there. And you know, we Matt, me and you were sitting next to each other during the the LSU game when you know Malik took the field. And you know, he can. It's an interesting situation because Malik can make something out of nothing, like few guys can, like few backup quarterbacks can. You know, he drops back to pass on like a like a 
hypothetically, like he drops back on a third and eight and he can't find anybody, his first or second read. If he gets there, you know, he can't find those guys, can't locate them and get him a pass in their direction. You know, he can, he's so cat quick and quick twitch that, you know, he can, he can pull the ball down and run and pick up 11 or 12 yards and just keep the chains moving. But I think the issue is with less so with Cade Fortin, based on what we saw after he came in the game last weekend, I just think there's an issue with sustaining drives and not just sustaining drives, but like piling up, you know, drives where you're eating up, you know, several minutes off the clock, it's seven, eight, nine play drives. I just don't think that, that he's there yet Malik is and I was looking at pro football focus numbers after the LSU game Malik had Arkansas's lowest offensive grade and his passing grade was 28.0 which that's that's pretty alarming I just yeah I'm with you about just the development of the backup quarterback and I think you know I think it was the kind of the right thought initially to you know try to get one of your clearly one of your your best athletes on either side of the ball at a skill position and try to get the ball in his hands and see what you can do there. But that, for whatever reason, that just never really worked. I think the way that they wanted it to, there was some success early in the year, you know, with like quick throws and then he would motion into the backfield, take a direct snap and pick up some, pick up first down yardage. But I mean, there was never again, like sustained success with that with that Hornsby package. And I think that kind of maybe set him back a little bit developmentally as a quarterback. But um, I honestly, I I expected a little bit more from Malik last week in the start that he got. But again, you know, it's, uh, it's tough to be a really good quarterback in this league, especially when you've got guys like Harold Perkins breathing down your neck constantly and your offensive lines having some issues uh, you're down your starting right tackle who's been here since it feels like 2000 and brings a lot of experience. And you put in a guy that, you know, hasn't played just a, a great deal of snaps as he transferred in. Um, you know, there's it, there's a it's a really complex deal, I think, with um, with the backup quarterback spot. I, I do think that Fortin provides you a little bit more stability um, and game manager type qualities than than Malik does. And so. You know, I wouldn't be surprised, you know, if, if KJ, for whatever reason, has to come out, you know, maybe this weekend uh, or, or later down the line. I would I would imagine Cade Fortin's probably going to be your answer there just because he's he can, you know, he can complete those those eight to 12, 15 yard passes with a little bit greater consistency than Malik can. Yeah, I would agree. I kind of expected more out of Malik against LSU. And I think with Malik third year in in the system. Uh, obviously he hasn't had a lot of playing opportunities, but he's uh, been in practice for three years, learning the scheme for three years, learning the playbook for three years. I just kind of expected him to be a little bit more comfortable than he looked uh, against LSU. And I think there's a lack of trust in him throwing the ball in himself and from the coaching staff. I think neither one of them really truly trust him to open up uh, the the offense through the air and, and pass the ball. And you think you could see that in the play calling uh, where he would, I mean, obviously they were going to go run heavy either way because he's such a dynamic athlete. But when they did call a passing play, it just seemed like 
Malik was waiting for someone to be wide open before he would let the ball go. Uh, and, and he just didn't trust himself to maybe let the ball go and let a receiver make a play instead of, you don't need, the pass didn't need to be perfect. Just give your guy a chance to go up and make a play. And I thought he just kind of waited around too long and then eventually ended up scrambling or getting chased down, as you mentioned by Harold Perkins. And it just, Cade Fortin, I mean, he he wasn't, lighting the world on fire but he was getting the ball out quickly and, and giving the receivers a chance to make a play and I think that's what gave them their best chance to win I agree with you on the the Hornsby passing deal like he, he he's the where he is in terms of his growth as a passer is I think he needs his receivers to be really really open or at least have a, a good deal of separation the thing is like to your point Andrew like Arkansas's receivers by and large have pretty pretty solid catch radiuses but the thing is like Malik his his accuracy and his his precision as a passer is just you know it's just probably not where it needs to be and that that leads to you know trouble in the passing game when you can't fit you know balls into tight windows you've got to do that in this league to to be successful as a passer he's just I just don't think he's he's there with Hornsby and his, his passing it's like he'll make two great throws and then all of a sudden he'll make four or five that are just really head scratching there was one on Saturday, I, I can't remember exactly where it was, but you know, there was a, a, I don't know if it was a running back or a receiver, but was not too far from him, was open, and he throws the ball, and I mean, it just, it just died on him, you know, I mean, it just fell down at the, the receiver's feet, and I feel like there's a, a lot of those throws uh, with him. Uh, the running game is, is not producing for Arkansas either, and I think that's partially why you had some of the struggles with the quarterback play uh, the other day against LSU. It was the second straight game where the run game just really never materialized Arkansas for the second straight week held to a season low total rushing yards. Uh, same thing goes for rocket Sanders. Uh, he was held to 46 yards on 12 carries. Uh, I know it's kind of harder to get the run game going in the cold. I feel like, I, I feel like it's, it's harder to do some of the, you know, the, the change of directions, uh, you know, when you're cold and I, I feel like cold weather for whatever reason benefits defenders more than it does, uh, offensive players just because I think it's harder to make defenders miss uh, when your body's cold and you're going to see that again on Saturday night by the way you think it was cold for LSU it's probably going to be the same temperature at kickoff or, or right around the same temperature as it was for uh, the LSU game on Saturday night but the difference was in the LSU game the temperature was rising and you had the sun out as the game went along on Saturday night it's going to be falling obviously with it being dark uh, but but the run game, it just feels like Arkansas has got to get that going. And uh, maybe this is the week to do it. Teams have had a lot of success running against Ole Miss this year. Uh, Auburn ran for somewhere around 300 yards against them. Uh, they did limit Alabama's run game somewhat, but Alabama seems like they're going maybe more pass heavy uh, in their offense as the year progresses. Uh, what do you think, Scotty, that they've got to do to get this run game going this week? Yeah, that's a good question. Um I'm not 100% sure what the top priority is. There's several. I think it's, you know, Sam on Monday was talking about how Ole Miss and their defensive front, or at least their, their you know, their front seven, uh, when you throw in linebackers, maybe a nickel into that equation too. Like it's a, it's a pretty aggressive defense that I think has gotten more and more aggressive as the season has gone on. Like they were giving up, you know, pretty good yardage you know, if you're an opponent, you were picking up pretty good yardage against Ole Miss on the ground, at least I think early in the season. But they're going to throw, you know, a lot of those 
kind of maybe unique is the right word um, or exotic run blitzes at Arkansas and Arkansas struggled with that. I think in the, in the last few weeks, um, my football IQ is not, not great. Um, but, you know, I think that that's been an issue for Arkansas in, in the last few games and it's led to them, you know, having, you know, back-to-back season lows and in, in rushing yards, which I did not expect for Arkansas to, to do, um, you know, this late in the season, you know, you kind of think that, you know, your team is a little bit banged up, but later in the year, you feel like you should be kind of in sync, I think, I guess, with, you know, the the games played and the successes you've had, you just kind of feel like that synergy would carry into the season. I think that's, that's a big deal. Like Ole Miss, I know we're not talking about pass protection, but they're that just to tell you how aggressive they are, like they're third in the, in the conference in sacks and Arkansas is first and they're, they're kind of nipping on Arkansas's heels in, in that category. I think, too, is a big deal, and Sam brought it up, I think, maybe Monday or Saturday after the loss to LSU. Arkan- at some point, Arkansas skill players have to make guys miss, and it's been kind of alarming to me that they haven't been able to do that with greater regularity. I think Ro- Rocket Sanders has you know tons and tons of pro potential, but maybe if there's a knock on him, it's that – you know, he doesn't have like that next level wiggle to him, you know, where he can, you know, beat somebody, make the miss in a phone booth. I think that's a that's a big deal. A.J. Green, I think, has the speed to be able to do that. Um, but again, you're talking about SEC defenders and linebackers that can run like run like a running back. And so it's 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 pretty tough. I just think Arkansas at some point they've got to find that elusiveness trait that I know that they all have. Um, but again, when your offensive line's not getting the greatest push, um, it's really, really tough to to make somebody miss when they're like a foot or two in front of you rather than um, maybe beating a guy at the second level when you've got a little bit of space in front of you. Rock is not the type of running back to kind of go east to west, juke you out of your shoes. I think he's more of the type uh, kind of like, and not, not to compare him to Derrick Henry, but I think, defenses as they as the game goes on they get tired of tackling guys like that and bigger running backs and then at that point when you kind of tire them out rocket sanders coming at you at 6'2 230 pounds you're not going to want to maybe bring him down as bad as he wants to stay up and i think his his elusiveness isn't more much of a a skill as much as it is his will to just not be tackled Uh, i think that's kind of how he makes guys miss more than uh, just juking them out and i think Rashad Dubinian might be the most shifty back in the uh, that that running back room, but he's yep, I agree. essentially been phased out of the offense for the past few weeks. So it'll be interesting to see maybe if he gets some some more touches there. But I do agree the re- the receivers also uh, should be a little bit more of dynamic of playmakers than I think they've been. I think they have the potential to be, and they've shown that they can be uh, game changing players. And I just uh, haven't seen it to this point. Yeah, and a big part of the run game too is is the blocking from the receivers and from a guy like Trey Knox. I know I I can't imagine what it's like having to try to keep Harold Perkins out of your backfield. I mean, it's probably really terrifying <laughs> if I had to guess. But you're going to see really really talented edge defenders and linebackers and nickelbacks on a weekly basis, and Trey. And the rest of those receivers, they've they've got to they got to hold up their end of the bargain too. Like anytime that 
Arkansas's run game doesn't get go gets go doesn't get going, like the first thing that everybody jumps to is the offensive line. Well, Ricky Stromberg was Arkansas's highest graded offensive player last week, and so it's it's the guys around them, and it's the ancillary pieces too, or the auxiliary pieces, like with the with the tight end, um, and then you know you bring Nathan Baxson into the game or Hudson Henry, those guys have got to do their part. And then um, I know Keytron Jackson, Jaden Hazelwood, Matt Landers, they've all been, you know, kind of applauded this season at some point for their, their blocking on the perimeter. They've got to get back to, you know, maybe having a little bit of a nasty streak about them too. Arkansas's run offense is, is really peculiar because they led the SEC for most of the year. They're second right now. But what you see from them, I think, is in short yardage situations, whenever teams bring in their their larger personnel, uh, they're just having a really hard time getting them off the ball. Uh, very interesting dynamic because you've got uh, uh, the, the stats don't necessarily tell the story uh, with the run game. The Whole Hog Football Podcast is sponsored by Kendall King, design, display, signage, kendallking.com. That's K-E-N-D-A-L-K-I-N-G.com. The Kindle King Group family of companies plays to win, just like our hogs. We know how demanding retail marketing is today. From digital omnichannel creative services, through in-store signing and displays, and finally to social influence, we've got you covered. Our KKG Inc. family of companies, Kindle King, Shopcart Creative, and Soapbox Influence are winning with multiple retailers and brands. We play to win and we'll be a winning partner for all your retail marketing service needs. Go hogs! Wholehogsports.com has the largest, most experienced staff of reporters covering sports in Arkansas. Football, basketball, baseball, recruiting, and more. You'll find it at wholehogsports.com. The website includes up-to-minute news, daily commentaries, and award-winning photography from the staffs of Hogs Illustrated and the Democrat Gazette. For subscriptions, call 1-800-757-6277. That's 1-800-757-6277. Or visit us online today. Wholehogsports.com. Com. Want more coverage of your home team? Download the Whole Hog Sports Video On Demand app. Check out the Fan Zone and get up-to-the-minute videos, podcasts, and features on football, basketball, baseball, recruiting, and more. Search for Whole Hog Sports on Apple TV, Roku, and Amazon Fire at home. And take it with you on the go by downloading it for your mobile device in your app store. The Whole Hog Sports Video On Demand app. Get it today. Welcome back to the Whole Hawk Football Podcast. We mentioned earlier that Arkansas's defense is playing better, and if you dive into the numbers, you know, they really back that up. Against Auburn a few weeks ago, the Razorbacks starters gave up 318 yards through about four and a half quarters. Uh, they put their backups in for the final seven and a half minutes of that game. Ended up giving up another 150 yards on two 75-yard possessions against Auburn. But just talking about starting defensive players, gave up 318 yards that game, gave up 291 to Liberty, gave up 284 to LSU. I think that in today's game, if you can give up anywhere below 300, that's a great defensive game. You know, anything below, say, 330, that's a pretty good defensive game. And so this is three straight games now where Arkansas's Again, their starters have played what I consider to be really good to great defense. I thought that it was easily the best defense that we've seen out of them all season against LSU. You can talk about the cold, and I think that probably had something to do with it. Um, but 
the fact is that they slowed down an LSU offense that Florida couldn't stop, Ole Miss couldn't stop, Alabama couldn't stop. And I think it's uh, really, I don't know what the word is, uh, encouraging maybe for the Razorbacks that their defense is, is really coming along here at the end of the year. Uh, you've heard Sam Pittman talk about this a little bit this week, that they're finally getting players in the right spots. Uh, the players are becoming comfortable with who they're playing around. I think the move of Hudson Clark to safety was huge. I think Quincy McAdoo, uh, the way that he's played, uh, you know, becoming an emerging uh, player at cornerback, uh, that's been really key for this defense. I think Chris Paul getting more snaps at linebacker has been really key. And the the fact that the defense has been playing so well, I think gives you some encouragement that Arkansas is going to be in a position to win these next two games. Now they've just got to have the offense to to back up this really solid defensive play. Yeah, I don't, I'm not sure after the after the BYU game, you know whether Arkansas was going to be able to, you know, get, generate enough stops and games to turn the ball over to the offense, which at the time was was clicking, and you know it, we just figured Arkansas's offense was going to have to outscore you know, the opponent to, to, they were just going to have to, to match score for score and just hope that the defense, you know, came up with at least one three and out or one takeaway, just basically steal a possession in a game. But in all honesty, like you look at the totality of Arkansas schedule, it's the offense that's kind of cost Arkansas three games this year. It's not the defense. And they've given up one touchdown in the last six quarters, which is, is phenomenal. And as Sam on Monday, I was like, what, like how much confidence does your defense take away from what you've done the last, you know, six, six quarters, game and a half, whatever. Um, and he said, you know, it's, it's a lot about matchups. And I think Arkansas matched up pretty well, um, you know, across the board with both Liberty and, and LSU, which is, is crazy. You can match up with, <laughs> with both of those teams pretty well. Um, but they did, you know, they did what they had to do to, to give Arkansas a chance to, to win. They're playing winning defense and it's almost like you know if Arkansas can can find any harmony on offense like Arkansas would be playing really really complimentary football right now because special teams has been it's been you know not a sight for sore eyes I don't think um, whenever it's been on the field they've actually been pretty productive there so it's just kind of about the offense getting it together the defense has been really good lead the conference in sacks Drew Sanders I think is kind of getting back to what he was maybe in the first five or six weeks of the season after a lull. Um, and you mentioned Quincy McAdoo and Chris Paul. I think those have been two phenomenal um, additions to, you know, get, get snaps, um, you know, in, in quality snaps too. Like Chris Paul was playing, I don't know if sparingly was the right word early in the year, but his, his role has really grown and you can kind of see pretty clearly the trust that the defensive staff, Michael Scherer, Barry Odom, have in him as a redshirt freshman because bumper pools most of the time on third down he's coming off the field and you think about that he's one of your tackle leaders he's he's not even on the field on third down but they trust Chris Paul enough to go get it done and you know he came up with a pretty big sack last week against LSU Quincy McAdoo broke up two passes the week after he graded out over 90 against Liberty uh, according to PFF. So those are some really, really intriguing, exciting, um, 
young pieces that they've just kind of thrown in there with with some pretty veteran guys, I think, and it's made a made a world of difference. Um, I think the weather definitely made a, an impact last week, and I would imagine it will this week. Um, wouldn't be surprising if Arkansas, you know, I don't know if replicates what they did last week again on Saturday. Um, but Ole Miss has had some trouble throwing the ball. I think their completion percentage from their quarterbacks is below 60%. I think they've thrown eight picks. And so their their touchdown to interception ratio is roughly two to one. Um, so there's some opportunities there for, for Arkansas to take advantage. I just think pressuring Jackson Dart is going to be a really big deal. Um, and I think Arkansas to this point in the season has shown that they can get pressure on the quarterback from – you know, a number of different areas of the field. Like like I mentioned, the linebacker spot with with Drew and Chris Paul and the defensive line is is coming through. Zach Williams, I think, made some big plays last week. Um, Latavius Brainy, if they get Miles Slusher back, he, you know, before he got suspended, he had a sack in back-to-back games. That's super valuable too um, for a guy that you wouldn't necessarily consider a pass rusher. So a lot, a lot of good things have happened in the last two weeks. You just, you know, you just want to see it continue this week too. There is some thought that the teams that can run the ball are the ones who are able to play the best in November. Arkansas and Ole Miss, as we mentioned, are are one and two in the SEC in rushing offense. Defensively, they're very similar as well. Uh, they're both middle of the pack uh, defensively in stopping the run. Arkansas allowing 146 rushing yards a game. Ole Miss averaging 151. Of course, they have had some some bigger games here of late as they played uh, more SEC teams. We mentioned the Auburn game uh, the week before Auburn played Arkansas back in October. Um, I want to go back to one thing about defensive, though. Uh, doesn't it seem like Barry Odom has really uh, proven himself here over the past month or so of this season? Everybody's saying, oh, he's lost it. You know, look at this, look at that. I think it just took a while for them with all the injuries they had at the back end in the secondary uh, to, to figure out what they were getting defensively and, and, and to put all these different pieces together. And you know, like we mentioned, it's taken some kind of creative moves, moving a, a Hudson Clark away from uh, a position where, again, people have their opinion about Hudson Clark, but statistically uh, he was Arkansas's top rated pass defense player for uh, at least a decent part of this season. Uh, then you get Quincy McAdoo coming over from the offense and and saying, hey, I can play defense if needed. And that's certainly been a big deal for them. But it just seems like Barry Odom has really proven himself here over these last few weeks and uh, maybe even redeemed himself a little bit from from all the criticism that he was getting earlier in the year. Yeah, I think he's done a commendable job, especially with all the injuries, uh, as you mentioned. And, you know, you make those changes and I, th- I think you're just never going to make everyone happy. Like he makes those changes and the defense plays better. And then all of a sudden it's not, wow, good decision. It's now, why didn't you make that decision earlier? And I think you're just never going to be able to please everyone. But I think with the situation, the cards that he was dealt early on, that um, he's done a good job with the Razorback defense. And I think Bumper Pool said yesterday this defense is at its best when they're being aggressive. And early on in the season, it just didn't feel like they could afford to be aggressive and send an extra blitzer uh, because the secondary just couldn't cover a light pole. Like, I mean, if you sent an extra body, they needed as many bodies in coverage as possible. If you sent anyone uh, after the quarterback and they didn't get there, then that secondary was getting torched. Uh, and and they've really turned it around with uh, the the emergence of Quincy McAdoo, as you said, and the move to Hudson Clark to free safety, I think has really allowed them uh, to send more guys after the quarterback and more guys in the box to stop the run. Uh, and I know it's completely hypothetical, but 
it, I mean, just imagine this defense without the injuries and, and even the preseason injuries to Jalen Catalan and Torian Carter. And that that's a scary sight. I just feel yeah. like being a defensive coordinator, it's, it's just totally thankless. I mean, because you can have a, a really solid defense, but you're never going to be able to completely shut teams down. The offenses are so good now. The rules are so geared toward offense. Uh, you know, it, it makes playing defense hard. You think of even about an Alabama, they've got a, a pretty good defense this year. Uh, I think at one point they had given up 12 touchdowns all season, and seven of them came in one game against Tennessee. There's always going to be these lapses defensively. Yeah, there's no, there's no doubt about it. Like offenses these days and and modern college football are really, really good, man. Uh, I just, I think the the move with Hudson Clark to safety was was really, I don't want, I don't want to say genius, but it was like it was absolutely the the correct move because if you look at at Arkansas's right now, if you look at like their top four or five guys in terms of overall defense grade. Number one is Quincy McAdoo, which is really, really impressive for a, a true freshman. I think he's really showing his potential. Um, I think he's a I think he's a potential star at the at the cornerback spot. Second is Hudson Clark. And so that tells you right there that he's in he's in a place right now where he can utilize the 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 positive traits that he has. And then, you know, you look at at number five, it's it's Dwight McLaughlin, you know, your other cornerback. So I think you've got it's it's always really good to have you know three of your top um, five defensive players you know just on the on the field at the same time especially in a in a secondary that you know was to put it lightly they were really going through it earlier in the year but I think that that move to safety for Hudson Clark opened the door for you know a, a really talented kid to come in um, and just you know really take over that take over that that role at cornerback because you know Malik Chavis had gotten a chance and I think you know maybe Kiwan Parker got some snaps over there too Arkansas was really searching for a, an answer at corner Quincy McAdoo is that guy now and so you you feel really secure with both of your corners uh, Hudson Clark at, at middle safety and you know Simeon Blair is going to give you what Simeon Blair does um, but you know he's the captain of the of, the, of that secondary um, he's going to get everybody in, in the position. So you feel really, really good about at least four of those five spots. You get Miles Slusher back, you know, you're, you're looking pretty good. Feels like fourth down is going to be something to watch closely this week. Of course, Ole Miss under Lane Kiffin uh, has has kind of made a name for itself as being the team that goes for it on fourth down a lot. They led college football uh, in fourth down attempts last year. I know they're real high up on the list this year. I don't know if they're number one, uh, but Arkansas is going for it on fourth down a lot more this year than it did last year. Uh, last year in 13 games, the Razorbacks went for it on fourth uh, 19 times. This year through 10 games, they have gone for it on fourth down 20 times. I think the Liberty game skews that stat a little bit because they had six fourth down attempts against Liberty. A lot of them were out of necessity later in the game when they were down and, and they had to go for it on fourth down uh, to be able to give themselves a chance to win. But of course, you had the two fourth down uh, conversion attempts against LSU uh, that were really scrutinized after the game. Obviously, uh, you've got the fourth and goal early in the game where they choose to go for it and they get stopped. A field goal obviously would have been uh, uh, very big uh, there late in the game. And then also, the the uh, I thought maybe the more head-scratching decision was to go for it on fourth down from the LSU 48. Uh, 
midway through the third quarter. It's a defensive struggle at that point. It's a field position game. Your defense is playing well. And when they didn't make that fourth down, they give LSU a short field. And that's LSU's only touchdown of the game. Uh, they go 40 yards in five plays and score there. And, and, and that was really, I thought, the turning point in that game. It seems to me like, and, and Scotty, you and I have, have talked about this a lot. We've both written about it. But that Sam Pittman talks about the Auburn, or in the offseason, he would talk about last year's Auburn game and how it taught him not to press. Uh, he said that he felt in that game, you know, whether it be attempted a long field goal, going for it and fourth down in the middle of the field, he just thought he pressed too much and it allowed Auburn to be able to do some things that uh, were easier than if he wouldn't have pressed. It just seems to me like maybe Arkansas is pressing a little bit more these last two weeks and, and maybe he's kind of moved away from that philosophy of, of, of don't press all the time. Uh, I, I thought that, you know, with a different decision there on fourth down in the middle of the field, maybe that game goes completely different on Saturday. Yeah, it's, it's, Interesting. Like I know, like you mentioned, we've talked about that several times. Just you know, as Arkansas is walking out onto the field to go for some of these fourth downs, I think it's more than anything. It's just, I think it's actually, I think it's kind of two things. It's forecasting what you think your offense, what you feel like your offense is up to that day. You know, because points were obviously at a premium last week. Um, you know, a touchdown at that point or even a first down to to move the chains, you know, in the red zone would have made a big difference in that game. And secondly, you know, I think that Sam is like, you know, he's pre he may be pressing a little bit just because he doesn't he knows he's not going to have KJ that day or, um, you know, if he does have KJ, you know, not at 100 percent, maybe you just got to you got to take your chances, you know, when he's out there. I don't know. It's just a, it's an interesting it's an interesting deal to watch because you know he made such a big deal like you mentioned, especially at the HI Sports Club. He he hinted at that Auburn game several 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 times, and then he finally got around to talking about you know it taught him a big lesson as a coach. But you know I think again like I'll go back and make a basketball reference. Like Eric Musselman says that every game takes on its own identity and um, takes its own shape and stuff, and I think it's you know, going for it on fourth down, I just think you got to take a lot of things into consideration. Like how well is your defense playing? You know, who do we have on the offensive side of the ball that can, um, you know, is, is our offense today in a, in a, in, you know, in shape to, you know, maybe put together scoring drives, like how have our, how have our drives previously in the game gone? Like if we been able to sustain drives, um, I think I think I just think he's doing a lot of forecasting with the with those fourth down decisions just because he can you know who knows better than the head coach you know what the kind of the general mood or the general feel is for his offense I just it's pretty interesting but yeah I think you hit the nail on the head with the fourth down deal this weekend I actually just wrote that key for our keys column that's going to come out later in the week. Ole Miss has not been going forward on fourth down as much this year. I think they led the country in uh, fourth down attempts last year and were tied with Air Force for fourth down conversions. They've only gone for it 21 times this year on fourth down, and their success rate is, you know, under 50%. Um, so I think Arkansas, Arkansas's defense has to be up for uh, a bunch of fourth down challenges, I would imagine, again, because, you know, the weather's cool. Um, points are probably going to be at a premium this weekend, and uh, Lane Kiffin's going to be looking for any kind of an edge he can get offensively. 
I will say this about Arkansas, the, the fourth down that they had early in the game. I understand it a little bit. It was fourth and goal from the three-yard line. And people kind of look at the game from kind of a post-game lens. But if you put yourself in that moment, they had just had a 47-yard drive where they settled for a field goal. They had a seven-yard run on first down there after they had recovered the fumble at the 10-yard line. And so at that point, they're averaging somewhere around three and a half to four yards per play. They didn't know it was going to be such a defensive struggle, I think, uh, for the rest of the game. And so I, I, I understand that one a little bit more than I understood the one in the third quarter where there's, you know, you've kind of established this pattern that your offense isn't moving the ball, your quarterback's playing really shaky. And that defense by LSU, uh, probably the best tackling team that we've seen Arkansas play uh, to this point in the season. So I understood the one in the first quarter a little bit more than I understood the one in the third quarter. Obviously, the one in the first quarter has been been really scrutinized because you get a field goal there, you potentially have a game in overtime, and who knows how that goes. But Arkansas loses it to LSU 13-10. to Ole Miss this weekend at 6.30. Hope you'll come to our website, wholehogsports.com, before the game to get you ready for the Razorbacks game against Ole Miss. We've also got uh, – we're, we're in full gear with basketball coverage right now. Uh, plenty of basketball uh, content there as the Razorbacks uh, finish up their, their first little slate of home games and get ready for the Maui Invitational next week. Uh, later this week, we'll have another episode of the Basketball Podcast of Mid-America that will look back at Arkansas's game against North Dakota State and Fordham. For Andrew Joseph and Scotty Bordelon, I'm Matt Jones. We appreciate you joining us, and we'll see you next time on the Whole Hog Football Podcast. The proceeding has been a production of WholeHogSports.com. Look for our latest podcasts on Apple, Spotify, or your favorite podcast store. And visit us anytime at WholeHogSports.com for the latest news and commentary.